Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey there, it's Stephen Dubner and... James Altucher. Today we're bringing you a special live show from Question of the Day, recorded live at the Bell House in Brooklyn. This show features a few of our usual Question of the Day segments alongside... Listeners submitted questions, a lightning round. James, you remember the lightning round? That was fun. It was a lot of fun, actually. Super fun. You know why it was fun? Because it was run by Nagin Farsad, who was was our— She's funny, and she's fun, and she was a great moderator and comedian at this event. Um, And you'll hear, moreover, our attempts, James and I's first attempts at live stand-up comedy. There will also be a few other surprises. So once you're done listening to this episode, make sure you listen to our three times a week question of the day podcast by subscribing on iTunes. You can get it at earwolf.com or you can download the Howl app. Okay. Um, guys, welcome to the very first question of the day live show. Are you excited? How many of you guys have been kind of longtime subscribers? Nice, nice. Okay. This is, so basically, for those of you who don't know, this is a, a podcast where they answer uh, questions. Uh, and it's basically a couple of dudes answering questions, but it's not any couple of dudes. It is very specifically Stephen Dubner from uh, of Freakonomics Books and Podcast fame. Yeah. As well as uh, Jay Altucher, the, the, the entrepreneur and best-selling author of books like Choose Yourself. Uh, so give them a round of applause. We're excited to bring them on. They're uh, high achievers. Um, they probably have daddy issues. I'm not sure. Um, and it, and for you know, for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast quite yet, uh, let me tell you a couple of things. You might you you'll pick up like once you listen to a few podcasts, you'll learn that you know, despite being one of like the nerdiest um, writers of economics in America, uh, Stephen Dubner was once in a rock band, uh, and he mentions it every episode. <laughs> Definitely wants you to know that he was once very cool. So don't forget that. And then, um, and, and for tonight, here's just like a drinking game for you guys. Every time he says opportunity cost, you guys drink. Um, James, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, he, something to avoid in, in post-show conversation. Don't talk to him about college. He fucking hates college. If you're one of his kids, he's not paying for that shit. He will lose his mind. So don't bring that up. Um, and then, and here's a little fun drinking game for James. As uh, whenever he quotes Warren Buffett, you go ahead and drink. 
Man loves Warren Buffett. Um, you'll also learn that the two of them are in some sort of like brutal fight to the death match of backgammon. Um, and uh, it's, it's scary. And finally, you'll, you'll find that uh, they don't sometimes like ever actually answer a question. Uh, they just go through the whole episode being more distracted of the day and less question of the day. Um, so that's the other fun thing. So I'm going to bring those guys out in a few minutes. And, and my job is just to really like warm you guys up, get you guys ready for the main attraction. Um, so I'll tell you guys a, a few things about myself. I, uh, I have a new boyfriend. Um, thank you. Okay. For those of you that care. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it's really exciting. I have a new boyfriend, um, and, and he's like a, a market improvement from the last one. Um, so it's really, it's great. And I mean, like the last one, there was, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it's over, you know, and I'm over it and I don't, ha- you know, I don't even think about it anymore or whatever. I don't even need to t- talk about it or anything like that. But like, I'll just say one thing though. He, um, there was a red flag. Like, have you, ladies, hey, ladies, have you guys um, ever dated a man who's skinnier than you? Has that, Okay, there's like maybe a couple out of a room of liars. Okay, because we have all dated a man who's skinnier than us. And let me explain to you what happened. So when you when you're dating a regular sized man, uh, you go back to his place. Right, you go out and then you go back to his place. And then the next morning, you're you know you put on his clothes and they're like oversized on you. And you're like, oh my god, I'm making eggs, but with your shirt on and it's like so big on me. I'm so adorable. Right? You guys know that shtick. And, um, and then, but when the man is skinnier than you, that doesn't really happen, right? So, like, this guy would be like, you want to um, borrow a pair of shorts or something? And I would be like, uh, no, thank you. I'm perfectly comfortable in this black leather dress from last night. Let's just do the crossword. I was traumatized. You know, and the worst was like when we would go out, I felt like people were always staring at us. You know what I mean? Like people would be like, oh, look at that nice young man taking his hippopotamus out for a walk. How delightful. Right? And then they'd zoom into our conversation and he'd be like, honey, where do you want to go for brunch? And I'd be like, I don't know. I just want eggs benedict. Goosh, goosh. And there would be craters where my feet would go and I would rip buildings out of the ground and take a bite out of them because that is what it feels like when you're dating a man who's skinnier than you so that didn't uh work out um but but this new uh gentleman um well i should mention actually that uh you know i am i'm an iranian american muslim female like all of you and um and this new uh and i you know for many years like constantly dated uh white guys um and which, no offense, okay? Um, but it's like I wasn't trying, you know? And, um, and I thought it would be so fun if there was like me and like an exotic parrot, like an Iranian and a Botswanan or so, you know, an exotic interracial parrot. Um, and so, and the good news is that my new boyfriend is in fact, um, he is in fact um, African-American with a smattering of Polish, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, smattering. And, um, you know, it, it, the, the deal is like, you know, my, I had to tell my parents, right, that this guy is, uh, you know, that he's black. And my parents, like, so my parents are like, uh, anyone else here, the children of immigrants, children of immigrants, you know, round of applause? Yeah, okay, so you guys might know a little bit of this. Um, 
basically, they're like a touch racist, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like a little smidge. Um, you know, like my mom will just say stuff like, oh, Negin, we have a new accountant. He's Indian, but that is okay because with money, he's like a Jew. And so you're sort of like, what is that double insult compliment? I don't know what that is. Um, and, you know, and I always wonder, like, 20 years from now, when my son comes home with some, you know, w- you know, comes home to tell me about his plans, like, what am I, what's my reaction going to be? You know what I mean? Like, he's going to come home, and could, because it's, some of this is generational, right? So he'll come home 20 years from now, and he'll be like, you know, Mom, I'm a skull humper or something. And I'm going to be like, oh, my God, why are you a skull humper? What? You know, and then he's going to be like, Mom, shut up it's totally normal it's like completely recognized by every state like why are you so bigoted you know and then and I'm gonna be like all I want is you know like Phyllis Phyllis the son married a nice goat cyborg just like everybody else okay and all I want to be able to do is go to my son's uh, hologram wedding and walk his avatar down the aisle and then what are you gonna do you're gonna hump a skull I don't even know how that works you know um my favorite thing about that future scenario is that I do turn into a Jewish grandmother. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens to all Iranian women. They just turn into Jewish grandmothers. Um, so, uh, in fact, no, my parents, uh, and they, they now love my boyfriend. So, uh, it's cool. And, you know, he's black and I'm Iranian and our relationship is exactly what you think it would be. Um, every night, uh, I put him in a loving chokehold. Um, and then... He uh, responds by waterboarding me to get the coordinates of my sleeper cell. Um, he, he comes home every night and he's like, woman, where's my watermelon? And then, uh, and I, and I say, oh no, we only have saffron. Um, and that is literally what our relationship is like, uh, according to Donald Trump. So that's, <laughs> that's my life. Um, <laughs> thanks, one applause break. <laughs> um, I, I, I did have, you know, I had to go uh, to, I'm from Southern California, and I uh, had to go back home not too long. Yeah, woo! <laughs> Soulless place with, like, uh, strip malls. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's why I am not there. Oh, my God, but, like, I still have feelings for it. Okay. Um... <laughs> But uh, I had to go back because my, my aunt was coming to the country and she had never been to the United States before and this was like really exciting. And, um, and I said to my mom, look, she's never been here. Like we definitely have to take her out to eat a taco, right? And my mom was like, oh, that is a good idea, but how is taste taco? And I was like, what do you mean? You've been living here for over 30 fucking years and you don't know how is taste taco? <laughs> And she was like, no. And I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, you fucking immigrants come to this country and you don't eat Mexican food? It's un-American. Um, I have actually had to go um, back to, uh, to Iran. Um, last time I went, it was for my, uh, my cousin's wedding. And even though we were the same age, um, like I was really nervous about hanging out with her. Like I didn't know if I should hide all the freedoms I enjoy, like boys and alcohol and peaceable assembly. You know, it's a really fun one. Um, you know, I felt like if she knew the truth about me, she'd consider me some kind of like Iranian-American slut whore hooker prostitute, which in New York we just call a Facebook friend. Um, and... Uh, and so I'm going to share with you guys maybe one of the most uh, embarrassing things um, that I've ever uh, experienced in my life. Um, 
which was, uh, so I was at my aunt's house, um, you know, uh, and I, I was at my aunt's house in Iran and I had to take a piss as I'm known to do even in the United States and uh, not to brag. Um, and I asked my aunt where the bathroom was and she said with pride nagging, we have an American toilet for you here. And I was like really excited because I had spent a fair amount of time like squatting over those hole in the, st- hole in the ground like Ottoman style toilets, you know what I mean? It feels like you're doing CrossFit, it's annoying. And so this was going to be like an elaborate vacation for my crotch muscles. And so she walks me upstairs and she says, Negin, this is the American toilet. Now, you can use if you want, but it is not normal to be sitting this way. That's why Americans have so many digestive problems. You know, uh, your cousin, she has been using Iranian toilet whole her life, and now she is getting married. (laughs) Right? So I decided to stick with the uh, American toilet, even though I was going to ruin my body and be alone forever. And um, so I pull down my pants, I take a seat. I'm sitting there for like alligator one, maybe like two alligators or Mississippis, however you like to to do that. Um, So I'm sitting there and after like a couple of seconds, the toilet cracks open in half. Just so you understand what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is that I sat on a toilet and as a result of me sitting on that toilet... The toilet cracks open in half. This isn't one of those cute stories where I'm like, oh my God, I broke the toilet. Like the flush isn't working slightly, but like I'm still really cute. No, I am not cute in this story because I sat on a toilet and the toilet cracked open. The porcelain of the toilet cracked wide open in half. Like, okay, let me put it another way that you'll understand. You guys uh, live in a world where you go to the bathroom and it's a safe space, right? You're going to feel better coming out of that bathroom than when you went in. I don't live in that world anymore, you guys, because I sat on a toilet and the toilet cracked open in half. So I find myself on the bathroom tile um, with uh, some toilet water and, um, thank you, and some urine. Thank you, my urine. Thank you. And... Um, I feel like the symbolism was clear. I was uh, trying to impose my Western standards, and in response, Iran was crumbling beneath my ass. (laughs) All right, guys. How do you guys feel? You guys feel warmed up? You guys feel good? Because I am, uh, I'm actually really excited to bring these guys up. I've had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with them the last couple of days, and they're like, Super delightful. You know how you worry like you, you're the fan of something, a podcast or show, whatever, and then you don't know if they're really like that in real life. They're really like that in real life. They're just great guys. Um, now, for those of you who don't know what, you, what they look like, um, there's going to be a lot more hair and, and, and glassware than you're comfortable with. Um, so I'm just bracing you for that right now, okay? Don't be taken aback. Um, but it is my absolute pleasure to bring to the stage Stephen Tepper and James Altucher. Nagin Farsad, how about that? Yeah. Thank you, Nagin. Uh, we'll get more Nagin later. We have some surprises in store. So, um, I'm Stephen Dubner, FYI. I'm James Altucher. Um, 
James, if I uh, mentioned lately, I used to play in a rock band. <laughs> and did I mention to you, because everyone showed up here, scholarships to college for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I see that. Okay. So what are we so, doing? So I want to explain a little bit how this started. About, I would say it was like 14 years ago, I was losing all my money, going broke, losing a house, losing my family, really a lot of fun. Steven, I love this part of the story. <laughs> Steven heard about it and decided to make fun of me on the front page of the New York Times, came over and started interviewing me, and in the course of that, we started playing a match of backgammon. The match is not finished yet. It's been ongoing since 2002. We just played a little bit right now. We play just played a little right here. I don't want to talk about it. We just played a little right here. And we, we, all the time when we were playing back, and we've been playing like for years now, once a week, once a month, and we're always like arguing about something. And we're so egotistical. I, I call it arguing. Okay, well, we are yeah, heatedly discussing. Yeah. And so we're so egotistical. We, one of us, probably Steven, came up with the idea, <laughs> what if a tape recorder was just right here listening to us talk and we spread it to millions of people? So we decided to do this podcast question of the day that basically takes advantage of that. There you go. All right, so what we'll do tonight is we've never done this. We're going to do a lot of things tonight we've never done. We've never done a live Question of the Day show. So usually what we do is we go to a recording studio, usually Radio Arts on the Upper West Side, which is a great... Are there a lot of radio and podcast people here generally? Say woo-woo. All right. So I'm sure... Steven, they hand out podcasts at the airport now, so... (laughs) Just... So I'm sure some of you know or have recorded at, uh, at Radio Arts on the Upper West Side. Larry, is Larry Josephson here? Yeah. Hi, Larry. Okay. So Larry's the good fellow that runs it. And uh, so basically what we do is we get together whenever we can, James and I, usually once a week or every couple of weeks, we record a bunch of these episodes that we then carve up into um, podcasts. And we pretend like we're doing them we every day. We do pretend that we're doing them every day, like time to wake up and make the podcast today, James, which we never do. <laughs> Um, but what we thought we'd do... sleep facing me and I have I to... I know, I know. And then I want a spoon and he never... Uh, whatever. So uh, we'll get into that later. But uh, what we thought we'd do tonight is we'll start with just basically doing one or two of these the way we do them. And then we'll have Nagin come back out and do some with her and other things as we go. So James, let's just start. You have one? This is the I... way it starts. No one knows. Oh, the one thing you should know is when we do these... Like, I have some questions that I'm going to ask him, and, and he doesn't know. And then he has some for me, and I don't know. So they're kind of a surprise, and we have to blah, 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 blah. So, and also, a lot of times, we don't actually ever get to the question, right? Sometimes we don't get to the question, and sometimes we don't get to the answer. We never get, we've never had an answer, actually. <laughs> I mean, look at the name of the show, though. It's not like we're being dishonest, right? Not answer the day, right? Although I did like distraction of the day. So, uh, James, you, I do have a question you pitch for you. and you catch and all right. So, uh, <laughs> wrong use of words. I think you should just listen to yourself a little bit more in the mirror, maybe, like practice. Um, here's the question I have. You see all the time in the news, this billionaire, that billionaire, and I always think, and they always are like working, like they're building, now this billionaire is building a spaceship or this billionaire is building like a time machine or whatever. Why doesn't a billionaire ever say, Phew, that was hard work. Now I'm just going to rest like I always told myself. I'm going to just watch TV all day long. Like, why do they keep going and working, you know, 70 hours a week? 
a lot in All a right. lot of cases. Now, so, some might oh, not. Sorry. See, this is why we never get some to the might answer. Not. Sorry. <laughs> yep, go ahead. Please. Why do billionaires keep working after they make a billion? So, first of all, you do have an obsession with billionaires, and I'd like to talk about it, because you really do. Are you going to be like a therapist to me? I, I have can, a lot. I can be. There's a lot more to talk about than billionaires with my therapist. You should sit in my session Friday morning. Uh, is it in my building? Is no, that, I it's a different fired shrink. that therapist. Oh, he was yeah. a... That's how kismity our lives are together. Seriously, his shrink was in my building where I live by yeah. total coincidence. Yeah, and now I'm divorced. Well. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good building. It's um, anyhow, um, you care about wealth accumulation in a way that I respect and admire, but don't care about. One, I'll say, and I want to hear, but I want to hear about that because I care about you and I want to know what you care about. Two Thank is, you. You. I will say, the obvious answer to me would be the kind of person who becomes a billionaire is not the kind of person who will just want to like do nothing. And three, I would say, is that. We hear about the handful of billionaires like Bezos and blah, 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 the guys you mentioned who are doing this stuff. But for all you know, there are a bunch of billionaires sitting on couches watching TV. But I think answer number two would be something closest to the truth. The kind of person who's likely to do this or become this or whatever has a lot of characteristics that lead to something else. And it's easy to try to draw some causal relationship with it, but it could just be because that's the pool you're selecting from. So... I would ask you, you love to read about and learn about billionaires, and I'm just curious whether having made a whole bunch of money and then lost it, and then made it, and then lost it, now made it, because you're not lost so poor it, anymore. It, lost it, made it Where again. do you stand right now? What is your net worth, just for the record? Let's just... <laughs> Whatever they paid us to do this show right here right. today. All right, so you are Three worth billion, $140, maybe. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, but I am really, because we, sometimes we have this thing where we'll talk about questions about like people will write and want to know about how can I make my first 10 or 20 million. And I just, I'm not, I'm not, like I like money. I like money as much as the next guy, maybe a little bit more than the next guy, but I'm not, um, I don't think about wealth accumulation like that. So tell me why you do and or why you got such a Jones for the billionaires. Well, I'll just tell you, I'll tell you one story first. So a friend of mine was having. Um, What's the friend's name? I will, I will not say because it reveals... I, that's uh, what I, I figured, but so, I wanted it. It's a lot of inside yeah. stuff. But uh, a friend of mine was having breakfast with a guy... Does it rhyme with Boren Muffet? No. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine was having breakfast with a guy, well-known guy who was worth a measly $2 billion. Wow. And he said to me afterwards... Was it, does it rhyme with Park Pubin? <laughs> no. Uh, he said to me afterwards... He said to me afterwards... The entire breakfast, this guy who was worth $2 billion kept saying, that kid Larry Page is worth $18 billion and I'm only worth $2 billion. You know, So he was just obsessed the entire time. So why does a guy... I'm just curious. Look, so I think, actually, I would watch TV all day with $2 billion. So, you know... You wouldn't come to our podcast? I would, no, I, would, I would play backgammon. Maybe I'd stop the podcast. I don't know. That's a lot of thinking. It's stressful. It's it is, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to think too much at that point. Like, what's your... Not, not like, everybody talks about, like, fuck you money. What's your, like, not do podcast money? <laughs> like, what's your, what's your number? <laughs> what's your number? So, my, um, well, I guess based on the fact that we're getting about $140 for tonight, I'd say uh, $139, because I would pay a dollar to do this. But okay, no so more do, than a dollar. So you do what you love, basically. Uh, I, Which yeah, I, I agree yeah, with. I respect yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. No, we, I, I like it. And we've talked about that. Like, I remember... The number. 
I remember the day before Freakonomics came out. You always tell a story. I think this is totally... By the way, a lot of what he says is not at all true. <laughs> a lot I of what think, I say, I, I at least believe to be true. No, I... I, I you were some, scared. I was scared. You were scared. You were I was crying. shy. You I were was crying. Nervous. So was I. You were, there but were tears. my father and my mother said we'd learn to love each other. And now I'm asking, Jamila, do you love me? Nobody, no, nobody knows Fiddler, huh? <laughs> we just saw Fiddler. Your references are sorry, off sorry, sorry. the hook. Yeah, yeah. So, our, so the day before, you were worried how it would be doing. So it was the day before worried. Freakonomics came yeah. out. Yeah, so this is like, what, what, what year? 2003? 2005. Yeah, 2005. I think it was a little earlier than that, but Five. you were no better than me. So <laughs> it's your book. I don't keep track of everything in your life. But you were worried that this wasn't, you were worried it may go either way. And, I was looking for a job. And then, yeah, so you were worried about what would happen next to you. So you, you do think about it. Like, you were looking for a way to for do sure. what you oh, love. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when you do what you love, the value of the number you need decreases. Because if you do what you love, you just need that income stream because it could co- keep on going forever because you love it. So you were nervous. This was it. You had already had, like, a bunch of books. You wanted this one to come through. So I'm just curious, if you did not have that, what would be your number? If I what is the number? For a New York, like, so my, so honestly, I was on the edge of like leaving New York because I couldn't raise a family in New York and send kids to the schools that we would have wanted. So if Freakonomics had not, or some other book right about there hadn't been successful, I didn't need it to be that successful, but if it had not been successful, we probably would have moved because it's, it was just too expensive as a writer, you know, I mean, I had a job at the New York Times and it didn't pay enough to support a family by a long shot. So and I, I didn't have you, a number, but I knew what it cost to live here, and it was way more than I thought I could earn. So you called me a few days later, and you said, look at Amazon, the rankings. And I figured, okay, I'll be Did nice. I mention on that call that I used to be in a rock band? <laughs> Probably did. I think you sang it to me. <laughs> look at Amazon. I, I guess uh, I give up. Uh, and I figured, okay, I'll be nice to him. Maybe it's like running 10,000 or whatever. That's, that's great, Steven. Uh, <laughs> And then I'm like, holy shit. And I was almost, je- I, I was jealous. Your, your book was ranked number two with only Harry Potter ranked number one ahead of you. Can I say one thing? So, and yeah. it was like that for like months. Fucking Harry Potter would not move. I mean, I liked him. He was fine. He would not move. Wizards over freaks is what I right, say. Right. So, is, so that your, is that what you say? That's what I say to your, my kids. All this, my kids ask me what should I do with my life. Wizards over freaks. Wizards over freaks. Wow. <laughs> Right. That's a good catchphrase, yeah. So again, if you had a, if you had a billion, what a would billion? you do? Yeah, a billion. You know, a lot of people have been asking about like what you would do if you won that? the Powerball, you know, yeah. since the Powerball just happened. And like I th- so I thought about that. If I won it, I think the first thing that I would do would be to change my name and move away so all my deadbeat friends and family didn't try to get my billion dollars. That is really... Is that cold? Okay. Is that cold to say? Okay, give it... But then... Everybody who just clapped for that, like, that's really cynical. Like, you... <laughs> like, you just but hate then, them. then, the next couple things I would do if I came into that money suddenly is I would not touch any of it for a year. So I used to know a little bit about the people who, you know, there's, there's like this whole, you know, windfall finance slash psychology field where people consult for people who either win a lottery or come into a big inheritance, especially when they don't know it's coming. And it turns out that most people handle it incredibly poorly and mostly because their friends and family and themselves are pushing them to go into a decision within the first year that they come to later regret. So I would try to not touch it for a year. And then something that I would do, I don't think this is good advice for other people, I would take a big chunk, like a million dollars, 
and blow it in the most ridiculous way so that I could see how I felt about it. And like, if I didn't feel that bad, I would say, maybe I should just blow it all. But I'd like to think that I would feel bad about a million, because a million is still a million, even if you have a billion. And then I would really... A million is still a million. It's it's no wizards over freaks, but, you know. (laughs) What would you do? A billion tomorrow. A billion tomorrow. I, I agree. I would never... I would actually probably never touch it, just because I like exactly my lifestyle right now, which requires not as much money as that, and... I, what, what can you possibly well, do? Isn't that like, a big waste of say, everything to not touch it? Let's say, wanna... let, what can you do with a billion? You, let's say you buy a plane for a hundred million. You can actually Is that what a plane costs? Does yeah, anyone here have a plane for less than a hundred million? Oh, I'm talking like uh, a big 777. Right. You know, I'm, I live large. So, <laughs> but know. not a billion large. <laughs> Not a billion. So you could buy a 777. Instead of buying it for 150 million, you could lease it for like 10 million. Smart thinking. So yeah. I would start. Uh, why thinking, didn't I do that? So you actually suddenly just save yourselves like 150 million. So what do you need? Like a big house? I've seen your place. It's a nice place. Not you don't that need, big. You Is that what need, you're saying? Yeah, you don't I've need. I've seen your house. You, you just don't need, need like big. no. You don't need like you know whatever. A like, sink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen at least four sinks in your apartment. So I'm not that. Well, there's worried a dog about sink because yeah. So. Here's the thing. All right, this is what we do. We don't really ever. And then, and then here's the. So, have you people listened to Question of the Day? Some of you have actually heard it. So you know how there's always like at the end there's like an end, but like we always have to like we never get to the end for real. Like we have to think about an end and stop and scratch our heads and then think. And then actually, we you end always it. come up at the end because I want to keep talking about this topic. <laughs> and then we say to Nathan, who's back there, we say, Nathan, was that an end? And then if he says yes, then we just stop talking because we never actually end anything. And if he says, like, oh, it's good enough, then we usually keep talking. That's about the best we can actually... That's our... We, every week that's we scale insult. the heights of mediocrity. No, I think that good enough is, is good. Nathan, is good enough good? Yeah. See, I've trained him really well. <laughs> so, like... James, I've, I've got a question for you, though, because this is the way it works now. So, James, I have a... This is kind of a money question, but not real. It's not really about money, but I like this question a lot. Um, someone sent it to us. His name is Brendan. He lives in Markham, Ontario. Has anybody ever heard of Markham? Really? Come on. <laughs> How have you heard of Markham? You grew up there? You Come here. <laughs> you two grew up in Markham, Ontario? Oh, it's part of Toronto? Oh, that, I thought I envisioned it being more um, bucolic than that, Markham. All right, Brendan from Markham has a question. He says, apart from money, what are some of the best ways to motivate and engage employees, especially when their salary is low? I think that's an important question because for a lot of, I mean, obvious reasons, I guess, you want people to be happy, you want them to be productive, you want to pay them as much as you can if you're an employer, but you can't always pay them as much as they want. So what are some thoughts, ideas? So it's a great question. Just by definition, you're always paying an employee less money than the value they're bringing you. And that's why, you, oh, that, that's yeah, why you yeah. have a profitable business is because the spread between the, in many cases, the spread well, between the, the medium, money you, you the pay. Mean, the mean employee, at least. Maybe not all. Usually all. For me, all. So don't, don't work for me. You don't um, overpay anybody. So, okay, I'll, 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 employees are really a drag in general in a business. And I'll tell when you, you... When you like to work for James... Uh, I'll tell you why. There's two things about employees. First off, they start having sex with each other. They start, like, mating. 
And then it's like nonstop problems after that. Like you can't get any of them to be fully... Like if two of them are mating with each other, like in the wild, one of them is going to be less productive than the other. Because the other one's going to be crying. Which one is less productive? So oh, the one that's not The crying. one that's not crying is more productive. Okay. So then here's the other problem with employees. If you want to know how employees feel about you, if you're like the manager or the boss, you just go into the stairwell and how many cigarette butts are in the stairwell that you count those, the more cigarette butts in the stairwell, the more they hate you. Because they're just, they're just sitting in the stairwell saying, boy, James is just an asshole today. And so what I try to do is, which is not necessarily the best management style, but I want to make sure every employee makes a phone call that night and they call their mom and say, boy, mom, I just had the best day at work. This is what I did. So I try to really make it a focus that this is how to motivate them. Is I'm always thinking, I want them to call their mother at the end of the day. Now, my mom doesn't speak to me because I've been a bad employee all my life. But I want, I want them to call their mother and say, I, this is what I did today, and it was so great. Now, the reason that's not such a Wait, bad... Wait, I don't understand. You, you want to you wanna give them, them to... a project... Oh. They call their I thought mom you were just saying you were paying them to call their mom and pretend that they had a good day no, at work because sa- while they're smoking because cigarettes money, and having sex in the hallway. Because you know what? Because you know what? Even if you give them the ra- a raise... Some, I didn't cry today, Mom. Even if you give them a raise, sometimes they hate you more when you give them a raise. Well, can I tell you something because about that? Because money becomes part of the equation of how they're working for you. So, you know, there is this realm that they sometimes call workforce science, which is like measuring, you know, employees and productivity and happiness uh, and so on. Were you giving me the... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Some statistics <laughs> things. So yeah, can I say a number? Is it work, okay to name a number? Freak. Would you rather not name a no, number? No, 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 tell me. I'll, I won't name a number. All right, I won't name a number, but I will say this. If you try to figure out all the things, all the factors in a job that make an employee happy and productive and likely to stay in that job for a long time, right? So you've got like salary, you've got commuting time, you've got office, you know, comfort, ability, comfort, comfort, and amenities and things like that. It turns out that the single biggest determinant of how basically happy an employee is, is whether or not the boss is a jerk or the immediate coworkers. So really, I would argue that along those lines, the best thing you can do to make employees relatively happy and productive and so on is to remove, is just to get rid of the jerks as much as you can. More than salary. So it turns out that salary well, makes people happy, but it diminishes its I, I agree with that. Like, so as soon as, if you, have, if you have a, so in my first company, we made websites for entertainment companies. So we had about, 50 employees, but then we merged a couple times, ultimately grew to about 1,000 employees. And so the key was, is we're moving money from the equation, but if somebody was starting to talk badly about you, that's what I always called the disease. The disease never goes away, and it's only contagious, and you kind of have to eliminate immediately. You have a lot of catchphrases. I like that about you. <laughs> Catchphrase? The disease. Sorry. So, the so, disease is in your organization. You have to eliminate it. So people could enjoy work more. How do you do so that? You fire them. Give a, oh, oh. <laughs> so I'll give you one example, and I don't know whether this was the right decision or not. So a group of people worked really hard for... A whole, we were pitching um, the post office to do their website, and a, a bunch of people worked all weekend. It's like When I say a bunch of people, like six or seven people worked all weekend to put together this beautiful proposal, and one guy was in charge of getting it to the post office, he FedExed the proposal to the post Nice. Office. I love that. So everybody worked for the so whole right weekend. So right there, what you got to do is you got you fire everybody, but no. take that story and go to FedEx and say, this is why we need your business. So yeah, 
We had to fire him because everybody was really upset and, you know, was starting to say bad things throughout the organization. Even though, okay, it's an honest mistake, but you couldn't really keep him in the organization. Right. But again, along the lines with what you said about it's not necessarily the coworkers. You just want to make sure they're feeling fulfilled in the jobs they're working on. Well, let me ask you this. Forget about like the punishment and getting rid of the bad people important. What about... I like to talk about punishment. I know you do. What, <laughs> what, about, um, rewar- what about rewards? How do you feel about rewards, incentives, whether right. it's bonuses or whatever? So when you're in every business, there are some jobs that are not so fun to work on and some jobs that are fun to work on. So you always want to make sure you think about what the mix is for each employee. So if someone's working on, let's say, in my old case, conedison.com, you also give them the website for The Matrix. So one's fun, conedison.com. The Matrix was brutal. And uh, (laughs) conedison.com was all about Y2K, which was really exciting because all of the Con Edison people were telling us, we're fucking out of town on New Year's (laughs) Eve. So that was an interesting one. But you make sure they have the right mix so that they're willing to stay the weekends working on the um, less fun sites when they know that they're working on during the week or whatever on the fun, exciting sites right, that they can right. tell their parents about. Oh, I just worked on, you know, Miramax.com what or about, whatever. What about bonuses, gifts, you know, rewards? All, Are they all monetary or? stuff. I mean, you have to give all bonus monetary? With, with industry, yeah. but all extra monetary stuff non- they actually resent in many oh. cases. Mm. Have I ever told you the um, giving yes. the turkey story? No. You want me to tell you giving the turkey story? Should I tell? Should, uh, should he tell us the giving the turkey? Who doesn't story? want to hear a good giving a turkey story? Yes. So there was this company in it's the giving the turkey story. It's the giving the turkey story. The Is it a, G- it's a story G- turkey? It, it, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a beautiful holiday story. So uh, there was a company I want to say in Brockton, Mass, maybe, um, but I'm not sure. And they were a manufacturing company, and they tried to, you know, they were always trying to find ways to incentivize their employees, not kind of in the moment, but just to make them like the company overall and to stay, to stay at the company. So they're always looking for these ways, but they had very little money. Um, you know, they didn't have big budgets for it. So one year they decided, like three weeks before um, Christmas, they decided that they were going to just surprise everybody and pull up a tractor trailer in the parking lot of the plant at, uh, uh, full of frozen turkeys and just announce it over the loudspeaker, hey, everybody come out, here's an unannounced free bonus gift um, for the holidays, and it was a big frozen turkey. And everybody was like, they loved it because it was so unexpected and it was really nice and it's a turkey and everybody loves turkey in so many different ways. And so they, they, they okay. loved it. Let Hang me... on, I'm not done. All right, all right, you can all interrupt. All right. You can interrupt. Okay, you say everybody loves turkeys. I knew you were going oh. there because I know... <laughs> Other than Thanksgiving, what other day of... It's such a scam. What, what, other day, what other day of the year do you eat a turkey? Like, you go to a restaurant, you never see on the menu, oh, turkey, parmesan, or whatever. You see, like, you see, like meatballs, hamburgers, steaks, chicken, fish. Have you ever seen turkey on the menu of a restaurant? Like, turkey actually sucks as a food. We're going to be here a while. He's got a... Um... It's a strong anti-turkey position, he said. Are you right. I, the minute I said everybody loves turkey, I knew this is going to take a while. All right, I'm, I'm sorry. But I'm I respect, uh, you, and I don't disagree. I know, I'm right. sorry, I really apologize. All right, they gave everybody a turkey. People were happy. Okay, I'm not going to say because they love turkey. People were happy because they had a turkey. Is that okay? Next year, the next year comes up, same thing. They drive up the tractor trailer, they open the door and say, hey, everybody, here's your holiday turkey. And everybody goes out and they say, oh, all right, the turkey. The third year, they drive it up and everybody's like, I do not want that fucking turkey. 
And so that was a story that illustrates the diminishing returns of being nice to your employees. And have I mentioned that I used to play in a rock band? Nathan, uh, was that an end? All right. All right. So listen, this has been fun, but I think uh, we're, we've worn out our, this little limited welcome with just the two of us because we get sick of each other quickly. So how about we bring really? uh, Nagin? Yeah, I'm so, yeah, if you're not. <laughs> okay, yeah. is it the turkey story again? It's is not that... because of what you said about the turkey, Sorry. but let's yeah, bring out Nagin Prasad for some more fun. All right, Nagin, it's all yours. Okay, uh, so yeah, we wanted to like spice things up by uh, getting some questions from the audience, and uh, I have those questions with me. And are you guys ready to answer some more questions? I'm actually going to ask the question. There won't be like, is there a question going to be asked at some point? Like, I'm going to do it. And you guys are not going to interrupt me. I'm just going to ask the question. Oh, we'll, a- we'll see that about that. Yeah. <laughs> we just interrupted you, so let the party begin. You are not making my job easy. Here we go. Um, from at DS Sloan Downs. Uh, Say again? <laughs> I don't know Say what, what from It's Atlas? a Twitter handle that I oh. don't understand. Um, D Sloan Downs. Okay, so from that person, the question is, what are the best ways to make friends as an adult moving to a new city where you don't know anyone? I like that question. Uh, I have a feeling that you could answer it really well because you've moved around a bit and you're very so friendly. So have you? I mean... Yeah, I'm just stalling. <laughs> All right. I would, my you. first thing would be... I, I have an idea. I had two ideas, but if you got an idea... Okay, here's what I do. Is that a no or a yes? No, no. I have a specific was, uh, thing. So that was a no. So I have two things. It was a no. To yes. Two yes. Okay. Why? So I do two things. I was going to... All right. You want to go? No. I... First off, before I move, I get $2,002 bills. Yeah. And what I do is... What I do is... Every place around me, like all the cafes, all the places where I'm going to hang out, like let's say I have, I, let's say I have a really uh, big interest and there's like clubs or meetups or whatever in that interest, wherever I go, I spend and tip with $2 bills. Do people love $2 bills as much as they love turkeys? <laughs> they, lo- they hate turkeys and they love $2. They always say, oh, a $2 bill, I've never seen one of those. And then they remember you. So then it becomes your place. Like you can go there again and again. You're always sipping the $2. It's the $2 bill guy. So like right away. <laughs> but he never orders turkey. But then, so and, then later, and then later on in the neighborhood, you see like other people spending $2 bills and you realize you actually I like. made inject, that happen. Yeah, you've actually injected like these $2 bills into the local economy. <laughs> and so you quickly become like, you know, instant like weird friends with people. And then gradually after that, you... Uh, because they, I'm so they find out your okay, true then self and I moved, it all reverts to I moved where to Astoria. I was just by myself all the time and I'd go to these restaurants and I'd write my phone number down on the $2 bills because I would have these waitresses or whatever. <laughs> what do you mean, or whatever? <laughs> Nobody, no, not, I did not get a single phone call after that. Really? So, yeah, that technically, can't believe that that technically didn't work, work. So there is a limit to the $2 bill trick. <laughs> When I was a barista or waitress and I would get like a $2 bill every blue moon, I, 
I thought it was annoying. You were, it was you. I was, I was annoyed because I thought, do I have to keep this? Is this somehow special? I don't want to keep this. I want to spend, like, it, it filled me with anxiety, actually, and there's no, a $2 bill. And there's no slot in the cash register for $2 bill. So maybe you, in your mind, people were like, oh, it's a $2 bill guy. But maybe they were actually like, oh, it's a $2 bill guy. That's, that's probably I wouldn't, why I didn't get any phone calls. So I had another technique. So I would have waiter's pads with me. So you, you go to a restaurant and you pull out your waiter's pad and you just put it on the table. Now people think, oh, you're in the business also. <laughs> so they're gonna start to treat. I just, need, I just need all these artificial ways for people to be nice to me. So whatever, whatever prop I can use is what I do. Your answers are so much better than my answers for how to make friends. I, I was just gonna say- I forgot the lab um, coat, but- I was gonna say hitchhike. And, um, and go to AA meetings. I think that works too. Right? I think, um, I think AA, I don't know about hitchhiking, you get, I've been chased you, on that one. Have you but. really gone to AA meetings? <laughs> I mean, not he's, like, he's taking uh, the to, uh, to, make, to make friends, like not because you have problems that you need to tell us about. If but we like, define it as narrowly as have I ever gone to an AA meeting specifically to make friends? Yeah. <laughs> I would say, do you have another question? So lab coats also work. So if you wear a lab coat, what ends up happening is you're just walking in the street and somebody, usually like some weird guy will come to you, my, my shoulder hurts, what should I do? And you... You try as best as you can to answer your question. They answer the question, and you just move on. You don't, you don't say, I'm not a doctor, I'm wearing a lab coat. So it's their problem they assume you're a doctor. And that technique works. But you're not making a friend. You're like making a lie. Oh, 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 50-50, their shoulder will be okay the next day. <laughs> you just made a friend, trust me. all of your things. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to the next question and let's hope that there are no more lab coats in the answers. Okay. Um, here we go. Uh, from uh, Bill in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. The question is, what ceremonial rites of passage, we're talking like graduation, wedding, funeral, that kind of thing, could we do without? Uh, that's a good question, Bill. I, my mind immediately goes to a rite of ceremony that some people get to do, but that not everybody gets to do. That. So the opposite, rather than eliminate, I would want to universalize. I think everyone should get to have a circumcision. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it should be, uh, you know, just held and treasured by the Jewish people because it's, um, it's a remarkably, uh, you know, so that would be my answer, though. All right, which is really funny. Because I was going to say the exact opposite. <laughs> which is that, oh, really? Is yeah, that true? Because think about the actual story. So Abraham was 99 years old, and his wife was 99 years old. Roughly. And they, and they couldn't have a baby, right? Which makes sense. Yeah. Okay? So, they, <laughs> so, so, God, so God comes down and says to Abraham, cut off the dicks of everyone in your house. Not, not, and not just for the scientific. The servants. Not the, ri the, not the dicks. Not yeah. the, because that's a different thing. The that helmets, happens. whatever. <laughs> so cut them all off, and then you'll have a child. And I don't know if that story is so fair to the people who living, were living in his house at the time. So 
I hoped I wasn't a slave then, if I had lived back then. <laughs> so I'm against that as a rite of passage. I, would, I could have done without that rite of passage. So, by the way, I have a circumcised penis. Congratulations. <laughs> it's the way to be. Uh, no, I don't mean to... Uh... I don't yeah, I don't know that Bill like wanted such a like defocused <laughs> answer. Um, <laughs> he wants a real thing. Like at what? I uh, mean, that's a rite of passage. That's the first. Yeah. Jewish and what rite makes of you passage. think you know what Bill really wants? <laughs> <laughs> I would nominate one. Seriously, nursery school graduations. They're cute, but they're pointless. Seriously. Okay. Okay. Wait. Nice. And always one kid pukes. Not from nerves, because it's meaningless, but from cupcakes. And there's always, like, the line marching, then someone pukes, and everyone's walking around. So I would, if we're being serious, I would okay, say nursery school graduation. Okay, you would eliminate what does a rite of passage actually mean right now in our society? Like, what rite of passage actually changes you from, oh, before this, I was... Like, blah. Today. And then after this, I was, like... Uh, blah! The Green Lantern. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Doctor Strange. I mean, there are rites of passage where you're like, before this, I didn't know how to operate on a guy, and then after this medical school, what? I know how oh, to oh, operate oh, on oh. a guy. Like, yeah, but, some, but like, James real... oh, fixed the shoulder without surgery. Medical, <laughs> so. medical degrees make you suddenly able to do brain surgery? I don't know about that. Wait, you're the one that goes around in lab coats, like, yeah. pretending like you know. I mean... Right, that's the point. Or... I don't have a medical degree. <laughs> yes, I will do and open do brain surgery. do not heal... <laughs> Do not worry. Just, there's an operating table back there. We're going <laughs> to... All right. We're going to do, do one more question in this round of listener questions, okay? This is um, from, uh, from at Rich Rob Bob, uh, Rich Rob Bob on Twitter. He asks, what fad would you like to see come back? What fad would you like to see come back? Trend, another I'm synonym say, for that. I'm not kidding about this. Fur underwear, I think, would be awesome. I don't know if it ever went away, really. <laughs> when was look, it On popular? a day like this? No? Because I have a dog now. And, <laughs> and I love this dog so much. And she's a small dog. It's about eight pounds. And sometimes I just think if she were, if she didn't have insides and I could just pull her on. What Did is wrong with that? Someone it, just saw The Revenant. <laughs> James, what about you? You got a fad you'd like to come back? Well. Can't take mine for underwear's yeah, taken. No, I can't even do the opposite of that one. I don't know. I'm going I'm to call the, ask the audience. Want to auction it off? Yes, I'm going to ask the audience on this one. I'm, going, I'm, I'm calling an audible on this one, even though I don't know what that means. I asked Didn't you the other day. Did we talk about that? Yeah, and I forgot yeah. your answer already. So, what's a fad? Just throw out some fads. Oh, pet rock. Pet rock, I like that. I had parachute one. Parachute pants. Parachute pants, I had that what's as well. What's a parachute pants? Like MC Hammer's pants. Oh, yeah. Boomerang. Mood Boomerang. Ring. No, yeah. mood ring. Oh, mood ring. That too. <laughs> yeah. Man what's? Man buns? Oh, hair buns. Beanie babies. Bell bottoms. Bell jeans. Would you really like, honestly, that is a fad, but would you really like bell bottoms? <laughs> no offense to y'all, I like fur underwear the best. Especially if it's Fifi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Patty cracks? Patty cracks. I swear. You know, See, the I reason my reason. hearing isn't so good is, I don't know if I told you this, I used to play in a rock and roll band. <laughs> Everybody uh, had a fanny pack in the band. Uh, this is why they were fads. This is why they're fads, because actually none of these are really good answers. That is such a good, isn't that, that's why we love James. That's the only reason why. No, that is a really, that's a good point. That's why they were fads and not, uh, you know, eternal, universal, everlasting things like a fur underwear, which um, people still wear. Although I would, I do want to add leg warmers because they still sell leg warmers. Some ladies still wear them. Don't dancers really need them though? But I think ladies in general, we are expected to wear cute shoes and then our ankles and half mid calves get oppressed by the cold, and we're just oh. expected to be cool with it. And there was a period in the '80s where women stood up and said, "No more. I will have warm ankles." And why? You know, I feel like as as a feminist, you know, we need to go back to that time. All right. Well, okay. We vote with you. I, I vote. With you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Strong enough argument against us. I think you win. (laughs) All right. So what we're going to do right now is a little segment we like to call the lightning round. Okay. So we're going to do this. It's going to be fast. And they're going to answer their questions uh, as succinctly as possible, guys. Real succinct-like. Okay. Um, okay, so we're just we're gonna start this off. The, the, Do we the, both answer each question? You both answer each question, but quickly, okay? And we could go. That, you we know. can take turns not if you happen. want. Okay. <laughs> here we What's go. What's not gonna happen? The quickly? The quickly, succinctly. Quickly okay. might happen. All right. Well, here we go. <laughs> might be just a mess. We're on the clock. Are you guys ready? The first question is: Is it okay to have thirteen items in a twelve items or less line? Yes, as long as one of the items is a dozen eggs. James. <laughs> um, I, I would say if there's no one behind you in line, you could have any amount. Great. Kim Jong Il or Pol Pot? Oh, having seen the interview, I gotta pick Kim Jong Il. I love that guy. <laughs> he is, yeah. And I'm sure you could respect Kim Jong Il is an actual comedian. So. That I would definitely go with him. Great. The funniest dictator wins. Uh, Batman or Superman? I'm going with Batman because he actually is a tough guy. Superman just won the genetic lottery. <laughs> if you're born on Krypton, you win. I'll go with Superman because he won the genetic lottery. <laughs> I can't do that because I lost the genetic lottery. So I have- <laughs> I have to go with the loser on this one. No way, you have all that hair. Come on. Um, okay, do you, uh, do you buy her flowers or lingerie? Jewelry, seriously. So, <laughs> point taken? No, seriously. Let me say this to any man over like eight. Whenever you need to buy anything for any woman, ever, always jewelry. And it, because the others do not work. I once got a, um, a, a radio headset, which I thought would be a really good gift. Cause <laughs> and you, you wanted jewelry. <laughs> so you were very upset. You got that Beats from Dre, and you wanted a, a diamond necklace. <laughs> I'll get, don't worry, I'll get it for you next time. I'm sorry. All right, next question. <laughs> The Macarena or the electric slide? 
Really? Uh, I go with them. Okay. Electric slide. Yeah? James. Why? Why? What's a, what's, it's cooler. Okay, I'm not a team player, so both are kind of hard for me. <laughs> um, ask, do you ask for a printed receipt or have it emailed to you? I don't get receipts. Don't like receipts. What do you do with Wait, receipts? Wait, did a bunch of people say printed? Why? Wow. For blackmail. Analog up right. in here. <laughs> they are good for blackmailing, but... Um... It's kind of like the Brooklyn old school kind of thing to have the printed receipt. <laughs> Look at where you are. Just speak to the audience. Okay, next question. Kale, question mark. <laughs> uh, as kale chips. I like kale chips. I'm picking the question mark. Uh, okay, here's a good one. Freakonomics or question of the day? Well, since I'm sitting here with my question of the day lover and not my Freakonomics lover, I'm saying question of the day. And I'm saying Freakonomics. What an excellent book. I highly recommend it. Plus, Super Freakonomics and Think Like a Freak. Keep going. And that, on, that last on. one. <laughs> Oh, right. oh, how to rob a bank. What's the title of that last one? When. 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 Uh, how, when. You say when, what? I say how. All right, and last question. NPR voice or James Altucher voice? James Altucher voice. Okay. Say something sexy like, um, uh, stay tuned for all things considered. Just say that. No. <laughs> but I will say, and I'm going to call her out, when I was in seventh grade woodshop, we had to read around like a table because the guy was dead or something. And Kristen Herholtz, when it was my turn, she was like, oh, do I have to listen to his voice again? And ever since then, I hate my voice. So, Aww. Kristen, but now you tracking have you down. two podcasts, so I feel like... No, I still her. get that feedback from readers, <laughs> listeners. That's why they read me, they're not listeners. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, that is it for the lightning round. Give a round of applause. And uh, we like, I love your voice, so, you know, uh, I'm second up to you as well. Okay, um, so now here's a, a slightly weirder segment of the show. Now, I, you guys listen to the podcast, so you know these guys like to put themselves in uncomfortable situations. They like to, you know, get themselves uh, to do weird stuff. Um, and, and so we figured let's have them do something super uncomfortable, uh, which is stand-up. So these guys, we're going to make it super official. The, the mic stand is going to come on the middle of the stage. And... Uh, I, I've been told to remind you guys that they are not professional stand-up comedians, um, that they have, in fact, day jobs uh, that they are not planning on leaving. So, uh, so you know... What, what, what job? What are you, <laughs> what, do I have to go somewhere tomorrow? <laughs> so, okay. So with that in mind, um, please... Uh, so, so prepare yourselves uh, for what is about to happen to you. Um... I am very excited to welcome to the stage this next comedian. You've seen him all over town. He puts the freak in Freakonomics. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Dubner. 
This was such a bad idea. I cannot believe we agreed to this. Thank you. How's that? How you doing, Brooklyn? Is that the way it works, Nagin? So um, I do have a question, a serious question, which is um, what is the statute of limitations on bad behavior, right? So like, uh, th this is a serious curiosity of mine. You see with, um, you've all read, I'm sure about Princeton University uh, and the, there's pressure to rename the Wilson School, the Woodrow Wilson School, because it turns out that Woodrow Wilson, who was a former president of Princeton, as well as the president of the United States, was kind of um, a, a racist, right? I think he, in the Klan, actually. Um, you, you like, you like the, you, you, you want the Klan routine? <laughs> You can't handle my clan routine. I don't have a clan routine. I don't have any routine. So, but Princeton um, is under that pressure. And it turns out now that um, at Harvard, so PETA, which is the uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, right? P which, just apropos of nothing. For years I would hear that and I would think that PETA was uh, the bread, PETA bread. <laughs> Seriously, I would think, wait, why don't they want the lamb to go with the pita? Why don't they want the chicken? Pita, lamb. I think it should be called peta, which I think is a better, right? Wouldn't peta if it were pronounced that way? So anyway, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, has announced that they want Harvard to be renamed because they have learned that uh, its founder, the Reverend John Harvard, uh, used to fuck his house cats. <laughs> I mean, it's Boston, what do you want? But still, right? I've learned that some Christians want to rename Christianity because a recently unearthed manuscript uh, has shown that Jesus Christ himself often wore white after Labor Day. Those long flowing robes and the, you know. And this is interesting to me, at least. The city of Hamburg, Germany, has decided that it wants to rename itself. So the mayor of Hamburg made a statement. The mayor of Hamburg, the mayor of Hamburg says, um, Hamburg no longer wishes to be associated with the food that disgusting Americans shove in their disgusting mouths. <laughs> so I, I get that. I, I, I'm with them. Uh, I was, uh, the, the new name they chose surprised me a little bit, though. Um, Hitlerberg. I don't think... Um, <laughs> works. At least he did not fuck his cats, okay? Like um, another H-man we know. Now, um, so as you can uh, glean, I'm an obnoxious person, generally. I'm not easy to be around. I'm very not easy to be uh, with in a, in, a, in, a, in a with sense. But I'm married. I've been married a long time. We do okay. We have fights, like everybody. And um, sometimes these fights escalate. We need to go see somebody for help. And uh, recently this happened, and uh, we, we went to see uh, our priest, Father Dan. And um, this is interesting because we're actually Jewish. Uh, <laughs> but the rabbi gets very busy this time of year. And uh, so we keep Father Dan on retainer for when, the, for when, <laughs> for when he's not available. And Father Dan heard our, heard our stuff, what we were arguing about. He said, listen, I think I, have a really, um, I think I have an idea for you that I've seen work with other couples, and I think it can work for you. He said, this is called appreciation therapy. So he said, what you do is you, you find the thing that your spouse or your partner, whatever does, that really, really bothers you. And then you say, you find a way to appreciate it. You say, I appreciate that thing because it leads to something else. And you try to find like, you know, a silver lining. So I was skeptical, but, um, 
But we tried, and I have to say, it, it worked amazingly. So my wife snores really bad. I'm sure a lot of you snore as well. And um, she snores really loud. And uh, I, I woke up one morning, having been woken up by her in the middle of the night, and I said to her, honey, I so appreciate that you're fucking snoring like a fleet of garbage trucks woke me up in the middle of the night because... I was able to check my Match.com profile without you lurking over my shoulder the way you usually do. Now, interestingly, my top match was Father Dan. Right? Weird, small world. Uh, so I was going to send him flowers. Instead, I'm going to send him one of those long Jesus robes. I think, he, I think he'll look really cute in that, Father Dan. I, um, I'm a bad mate. I'm a bad spouse. I'm a really bad employee. I, uh, I can't keep a job. It's why I do what I do. I've been fired from many jobs. The first job I got fired from, uh, I was a, in college. It was my summer job. I was working at a restaurant called Peppers, and it was run by Jack and Janine Pepper. And they were like the couple about town. They were young and good-looking. Jack was like a former football player, and Janine was like a former cheerleader. And it was a very popular place, and I washed dishes. And this is my pattern. I always think I'm doing a really good job right before I got fired. So this was the case. I'd been there a couple weeks doing a great job with the dishes, and Jack comes back one day and just says, you're out of here, you're fired. And I said, what the heck? What's going on? It turns out that he had gotten the idea, or he'd heard somewhere, that I was sleeping with Janine, his beautiful cheerleader wife, which was absurd. I mean, I'm an 18-year-old college kid. She's Janine Pepper in her 30s, and uh, it was absurd. But, you know, he fires me. There's nothing I can do. I'm walking out. He says, hey, come here. And he hands me this big uh, box, like a 10-pound box of cream cheese, like the institutional-sized cream cheese made by Philadelphia, the good stuff, but 10 pounds of it. And he didn't say anything. He just gave it to me. I guess it was like the severance for getting fired <laughs> as a dishwasher. And I was pissed, but I was like, you know, I need the food. So I took it. And uh, later that night, when I opened it up, I saw that it had mold on it. And I thought, man, that... that just, you know, really stinks. But um, I was a starving college student, so, uh, you know, I ate it anyway uh, after spreading it all over Janine's perfect breasts, I have to say. <laughs> Too far? <laughs> Too soon? I'll tell you the last job I got fired from, then I'm going to go. So um, I used to work for an ad agency, and this agency had a lot of business uh, with uh, tourist boards around the country. They would, you know, do campaigns for different cities, getting people to come visit. And uh, I was the, the jingle writer. I was a musician, as I may have mentioned to you once or twice before. <laughs> and I wrote jingles. And uh, again, I thought I was um, uh, pretty good at it. You want to hear a couple of the jingles I wrote? Yeah? All right, I'm going to, I need a guitar. Chris, we got a, uh, a guitar there. You can talk amongst yourself. Were you in a rock band? So uh, I had a style of uh, jingle that I, that I thought was really remarkable, and uh, I think it was original to me. I kind of went for a little bit of a verite approach to the tourism jingle, you know? And there are other people now who will say that they did the jingo verite thing, but I invented it, just so you know, okay? And uh, the idea was to give a real sense of the place, so... 
one of my favorites. Hot in the summer and cold in the winter, Chicago, you suck balls. Right? Right? Good? Hey, Atlanta, nobody likes you. They only pretend to. And then sometimes I'd add a little bit of my uh, empiricism to the uh, verite. I'll give you a for instance of that. Boston, Massachusetts, it's got the highest recorded rate of racism in the Western Hemisphere. But it's still a pretty nice place to visit if you are white. And if you like to fuck house cats. Can I take a request? Where are you from, sir? Jersey. Jersey. Could you make it any easier for me? Hey, New Jersey, I went there one time. I almost killed myself. Sorry. Brooklyn, New York. Hey. You're all right, but now I got to go. set on pita bread. Was anybody else? Or was that? I was just worried for a minute. Uh, but give him another round of applause. That was delightful. Stand-up comic Stephen Dubner. All right, so now uh, it is my extreme pleasure to bring to the stage uh, this next comedian. Uh, you've seen him all around town. Uh, he brings the fun to hedge funds. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> James Altucher. I always feel like embarrassingly sexual pulling the mic out of this thing, you know? You know what I mean? <laughs> Which really leads me to, to more embarrassing things. Like, I was really sort of dorky as a kid, and I kind of realized... I kind of realized I didn't lose my virginity until after my two daughters were born. And the reason for that is I was totally clueless. Like, how many people here have daughters? Anybody? Nobody has daughters in this room. <laughs> Clap if you have daughters. Yeah. Few daughters. So with a, with a boy, I imagine, they just like pee upwards or whatever. So if you ever change the diapers of a baby daughter, like how many folds do they have down there? Like, seriously. Like you have to clean the shit out of every fold or else they get an infection. It's like an accordion of baby skin down there. So I didn't know anything. This was like scary as shit to me. So... Thank you, my rendition of the vagina monologues. You realize you all just laughed about child pornography involving my children. No problem. I'm cool with it. Um, no, seriously, having a kid was just in general. How many people don't have kids? Okay. All right. Having a kid is scary as shit because... What happens is you kind of have this mild, lukewarm relationship with this other person in your house. And then, just speaking personally, and, and then suddenly this like one foot tall U.S. citizen 
moves into your house and she's crying. She doesn't speak English. She's, she's crying. She's shitting everywhere. And in the middle of the night, she climbs into bed with your wife and sucks her breast. And I'm thinking to myself, get the fuck out of here. So that's how I got divorced from my first wife. No, seriously. If, if I'm going to give some advice about marriage, as soon as possible after you get married, remove the bunk beds. Like, stop sleeping in bunk beds with your wife, okay? Because that's not going to get things going. I'll give more marriage advice after the show. I'll be kind of crying and drunk in the corner. So, but, you know... I think, I, I think in general, I had a problems with women all along. I just read the other day that you sort of, sort of define your self-confidence at the, where, how, whatever your self-confidence was at the age of 16, that's the self-confidence you'll always have. And so at the age of 16, I had such, I didn't even have acne. I had like, my face was like purple, like just like, <laughs> just like, and it was like all day long, like pus would be running down my face. So by the end of the day, like my shirt, like the top of my shirt would have all this, like girls love me, <laughs> not. And so I was always unconfident. And so I'm seeing a therapist and she says to me, why don't you just tell me something good about yourself? And I'm trying to think because I've been with this therapist a long time. So she's seen me go through like bad marriages, lose all my money, lose my parents, lose all my friendships. And so I figure, okay, I spent $17 million on therapy. So that's at least one thing I could say to her. But I don't think she appreciated that. She's fired now. So, as many of you know who read my blogs or whatever or listen to this podcast, I really hate the news. Like, I, I feel like all the time the news is just trying to scare you. Like, new atomic bomb in North Korea. It never exists, but it's just the news headlines. And so, but so one day, so the other day, a friend of mine called me to tell me this headline that I didn't know about. He said, uh, Sean Penn um, somehow found the fugitive El Chapo. And I'm like, Sean Penn, the CIA special seals officer? <laughs> and he's like, no, idiot, Sean Penn, the actor. And I'm like, the guy from Fast Times, the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Sean Penn? And he's like, yeah, he found El Chapo. So I thought that was really inspirational. Sean Penn must be like a really great guy right now. So Sean Penn, if you're listening to this, can you please help me find a father? So <laughs> Maybe he'll listen. So the other day... <laughs> the other day I was doing a, a podcast, okay, with Russell Simmons, the hip-hop guy, and he was telling me about how he's now a vegan. And so first, I didn't understand the planet Vega. Are they sending people over here at this point? <laughs> it's a cookbook. Twilight Zone reference? All right, never mind. Uh, and he says, no, the secret to my success is um, a vegan now. And I'm like, but 20 minutes ago, I asked the secret to your success, and you said I could have as much cocaine and pussy as I want. <laughs> so I was trying to make sense. And then in the middle of this podcast... He suddenly is like looking at his phone. He's getting a phone call. He picks up the phone. In the middle of the podcast, he's getting this really funny call from Louis Farrakhan, the head of the Nation of Islam. Like this, he's like laughing, this funny call from Louis Farrakhan. 
Okay, thanks very much, everybody. <laughs> Stay in the heat, stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, you, you know, we also decided um, to open this up to the audience. We like to put other people in uncomfortable situations. So, is there someone in the audience that is brave enough to do uh, like two minutes of stand-up comedy on the question of the day stage? Is there someone here that is willing to do... Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's like three. Okay, 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 okay. Um, ju- uh, the lady right here. What's your name? Uh, Kate. Kate. All right. It's, it's, it's your stage, buddy. <laughs> Mike, uh, you, you live in Brooklyn? Ladies and gentlemen, Kate from Brooklyn. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Kate. Um, I live in Brooklyn, not Williamsburg. Um, I auditioned to live in Williamsburg, but I didn't get a call back. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I live in Brooklyn. I have a, uh, I have a dog and a husband. Um, they're both rescues. And um, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a newborn. I was listening. Yeah, I have actually, this is amazing to be out because I have a newborn at home, um, alone. That's okay, right? To just leave. Um, I put a bottle, I'm not a monster, I put a bottle across the room because, um, you know, they have to learn quickly. And I live in Park Slope. It's competitive achievements. You know, we got to get going here. Milestones, please. Uh, that, that whole, this, it's, I'm, I'm really old to have uh, my first child. Um, I, the whole time I was pregnant, I was considered both high risk and an inspiration. <laughs> and, and also, it is weird for me because I did it so late in life because I really don't like kids. Um, so, see how this works out. They say you'll love your own, you know, fingers crossed. We have no idea at this point. Could grow up to be an asshole. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, but as soon as you have a kid, uh, especially as a woman, you lose your dignity. It's really weird. After I'm just wandering around my house, topless most of the time, you know, which would be awesome for my husband, except for I'm like topless, unshowered, crying. It is like the saddest strip club of all time <laughs> in my apartment. Uh, but yeah, and we, we're fighting. We're fighting. You were saying it's hard once you get a kid involved. It's so hard. Um, he actually, he called me passive-aggressive. And I told him to go fuck himself <laughs> in an email. <laughs> Saved in drafts. <laughs> He'll find it. He'll find it. Uh, I, we, we have a boy. We have a boy uh, named Lucas. Thank God that Star Wars movie was good. Um, and because my husband's a total nerd. He's a total nerd. He's a comic book nerd, but very good looking. And that is a great combination, right? Low self-esteem, but attractive. Get him! Um, 
Uh, and yeah, he was ambivalent about having a child as well, but our lives are really busy. So we're, we're looking at it more like we created an intern, you know, like slowly <laughs> someone that could take over the social media and <laughs> updates, a lot of updates. But I'm back to drinking, which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I really like drinking. That is, I'm so well prepared to be a mother, but the one smart thing I did in my life is that I worked a lot of years super hungover, uh, and this reminds me of that a lot. Uh, I'm like, do I have a baby or am I on a bender? You know, um... <laughs> And it was when I wasn't drinking. There's was a while when you're pregnant and you're not drinking, but you can't tell anyone that you're pregnant yet. Sort of this weird time. And that was super weird because I thought, oh, everyone was going to know. And I was at a party with my friends. And um, one of them's like, hey, can I grab you? Kate, do you want a drink? Do you want like a vodka soda or a wine? And I just went, uh, no, just a water. And I was like, ah, here we go. And this is what she said. She went, um, good for you, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, What? She's like, we're just happy that you figured it out before we had to talk to you. I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm pregnant. They're like, that's hilarious. That is so funny. No one thinks you should be a mother, but that is funny. And yeah, we live in uh, Park Slope. You know um, when you get pregnant in Brooklyn uh, and you pee on a stick, it, it says Park Slope or Bushwick. Um, <laughs> But we've been looking around for somewhere else to live, and we've been looking at a lot of these super modern condos that are around. And I looked at one that I thought would be really cool. I mean, it was really kind of futuristic and modern, very cool looking, but not really uh, built for people to live because in the apartment, the rooms were in the shape of triangles. <laughs> they were triangular rooms. I was just like... How do you furnish this? You know, like, oh, I love shopping at Pythagoras Furniture Shop. <laughs> Their isosceles sofa line is fantastic. <laughs> oh, I don't sleep in a bed, I sleep in a pizza slice, you know? <laughs> I guess it's the kind of place you have to co-sign for. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think all we really need to say is um, thank you to a bunch of people and to talk about listening, um, how to listen to this show. You want to handle that part? Listen to this show. Um... Yeah, actually, I don't know how to listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing um, called the internet where you can put your thing on it. Not, yeah. <laughs> so you can always hear... going there. You're always going there. What is up? What is up? Every single thing is up. So you can, you can hear this recording at some point on the Question of the Day podcast, which is on the Earwolf Network, uh, and which is home to many other really good shows, including 
brand newly, uh, The Longest Shortest Time. So give that a listen. And um, I would just like to say thank you so much um, to, first of all, Nagin Farsad. Great job. <laughs> Ophira Eisenberg, also known as Kate. I'd like to thank my good friend James Altucher, who did a great job. Uh, everyone who helped put the show together, Allison Hockenberry, Chris Bannon, Greta Cohn, Nathan Rosborough, Caroline English, thank you very much to the Bell House for hosting us. And uh, most of all, thanks to all of you for coming, and let's now come drink beers with us, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to our question of the day live event. It was so much fun and I'm really glad we did it. We recorded it at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes to our regular question of the day podcast. It actually makes a big difference to us. We air every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We have lots more questions and occasionally we have some answers. of the day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. This is Tony Rodriguez. This is Carlos Santos. This is Riza Licea. And this is Oscar Montoya. When our powers combine, we are Spanish Aquí Presents. We have a brand new podcast here on Earwolf, bringing you the best of the best of lo mejor of the Latinx comedy. Join us every Tuesday as we chat about what's going on in our lives, Latinx culture, and ¿qué es lo que? Lo que nos está picando. Lo que te pica. Don't worry, we'll tell you what that means if you listen. We'll also be joined by a new guest every single week. We'll get to know a little bit more about their lives. Every single week. Uh-huh. And then we'll make them sit back and watch us improvise their lives right back to them. Improvisation. <laughs> Spanish Aki Presents premieres July 16th. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. O donde sea. Spanish Aki Presents. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.